and welcome to The Bookmonger. I'm John J. Miller of National Review. Thanks for listening. This show is a production of National Review and a recording from the studio at WRFH, the campus radio station of Hillsdale College. Our guest is Steve Sang, co-author with Olivia Chung of The Political Thought of Xi Jinping. Steve, welcome to The Bookmonger. Hello, John. When I think of China's supreme leader, Xi Jinping, I think of a totalitarian dictator, not as a political thinker. So what is the political thought of Xi Jinping? Well, the political thought of Xi Jinping is meant to be the most modern, up-to-date rendition of Marxism with a very large dose of Chinese characteristics being put into it. It's easy to see it as a signification of Marxism-Leninism, but in reality, it is making Marxism-Leninism Sino-centric. It is a guide for Xi Jinping to create in China one country, one people, one ideology, one party, and one leader. So how is this version of Marxism, this Chinese version of Marxism, different from the Soviet Union version that we know from the Cold War? It is different because it really puts China at the center of it. And in fact, it doesn't really address the application of Chinese socialism outside of China very much. It's not for export. So unlike the Soviet version, where it was still talking about communism as a universal ideology, Xi Jinping is talking about Xi Jinping thought as something for China, socialism for China. But even here, it is a very unusual form of socialism. It does not seek to deliver the communist utopian that Karl Marx talks about. At the end of Xi Jinping thought, there will not be a within away of the state. There will not be the creation of a society which will be from one according to his ability and to want according to the needs, it will be a society where China simply stands tall as the world's number one, with everybody following the leadership of the Communist Party and Xi Jinping. We do worry sometimes about Chinese aggression or attempts to expand its influence. How is that different from the internationalism of the Soviet Union? The international approach of the Soviet communism really was about exporting the Soviet model to as many countries as possible in the world. In the case of Xi Jinping, what he would like to create, if he can have his way, is for the world to change, for the world to simply understand, accept and embrace that China is the most advanced, developed, benevolent and malevolent country in the world with the best system in place. And therefore, they all look up to China for inspirations, for lessons and for leadership. It is a world, therefore, where the use of force will not be necessary 
because everybody follows the leadership of China anyway. That's the difference. How does the political thought of Xi manifest itself? Is he a writer? Xi Jinping is not himself drafting all his speeches like all leaders of great powers. He has a writing team to write things for him. But what is being issued in his name have all been seen by him and approved by him. So, no, he is not writing long books to explain what Xi Jinping thought is, but he's issuing statements, speeches, and other kinds of writings which are being collected as Xi Jinping's wisdoms for everybody to learn. In fact, in China, not only every member of the Communist Parties are required to learn, and that is over 95 million people, but the entire nation and the entire education system from kindergartens to graduate schools now incorporate elements of Xi Jinping thought in their regular curriculum for everybody in China to learn to follow the wisdom of Xi Jinping thought. Mao, his predecessor, published political thoughts. Is this just an extension of what Mao was doing? Is he trying to separate himself or succeed Mao? How is he different from Mao? Oh, that's a really good point that you are making here, Johnny, if I may say so. Because Xi Jinping does not compare himself with his immediate predecessors. He doesn't even compare himself with Deng Xiaoping, the great reformer after Mao. He would only compare himself with Mao in modern history. And Mao, of course, was the only other leader in the history of the Communist Party of China that had created a thought which would be used as the ideology of China at the time. Now, that is something which Xi Jinping is looking to replicate, but he is not looking to restore back to the Maoist era, he is in his own way feeling that he is pushing China into a new era of Xi Jinping thought where China would be even greater than China was under Mao Zedong thought. This is a message from our friends at American Habits from the State Policy Network. We the people, do you ever think about what that means and what happened to it? We the people certainly did not mean an imperial city full of unelected bureaucrats deciding everything from kindergarten curricula to nursing home funding formulas. We the people mean self-government, a free people deciding most things in their families and communities and delegating some authority to their towns and states while passing along just a small amount of that power to the national government. How did things get so upside down at American Habits? We tell stories of real people with real solutions, all working to restore federalism and self-government. If you're a public official, come get involved. If you're a citizen, come and see the new standard for American leadership. No matter who you are, come help us renew the forgotten but not lost habit of American self-government. Visit AmericanHabits.org to learn more. That's AmericanHabits.org. China's a closed society, of course. So how do you and your co-author perform research on a topic such as this? Do you work with open sources? Are they adequate? How do you know what's really going on in China? We really read everything that Xi Jinping has written or everything that 
are publicly available, which are issued in Xi Jinping's name. And because Xi Jinping is so keen to put his thought up there and out there, they are all easily accessible. Now, what we do do was to read them in the original Chinese text and not in English translation, because the English translation does not always correctly translate what Xi Jinping has said. And we would match that against what he's actually done in terms of policy and what other um, Chinese officials, leaders and scholars have said on the subject to collaborate what he really actually mean. So yes, we do have to go uh, and read his worst and also in, in sometimes reach read between the lines of what he really is saying, because some of the terms that Xi Jinping used are very uh, unclear into exactly what he meant. We have to ascertain that. As you study the political thought of this leader, what are the lessons for the West as it thinks about China, works with China, confronts China, etc.? What are the lessons for Westerners? That we have to take what Xi Jinping has said very seriously. We don't overinterpret, but we also do not ignore what he has said. What we have to do is to contextualize what he has said in order to know exactly what his intentions are. Because he is not only telling us his intentions, he's also outlining in general broad brush terms how he expects to achieve his goals and his goal of the China's dream, China dream of national rejuvenation is something that he defined as his version of making China great again to be accomplished by the end of 2049. And that includes, for example, China making Taiwan part of China itself. So, that is a very serious matter that we have to think about, even though we have another 20 years lead time for that. Is conflict inevitable over Taiwan or something else? Or is it possible for China and the West to avoid war or conflict? Oh, I think it is absolutely vital that we avoid a war with China, whether it's over Taiwan or anywhere else. A war between the U.S. and China will be catastrophic, not only for the countries directly involved, but for the global economy and potentially for world peace. We really mustn't go there. The important thing is how we can work to persuade Xi Jinping that he should not go there. Uh, we are talking about a long lead time. He is not in a desperate rush to do that. What we have to get him to understand is that if he deferred the fulfillment of his China dream, he can keep his China dream alive. But if he has to achieve his China dream by going to war, he will not, in fact, accomplish his China dream. So he is, and China is, better off aspiring for it rather than pushing to the conclusion. 
And if it doesn't go to the extent of starting a war, we will not start a war with him or with China. So he is not actually being threatened by us. The author is Steve Sang, co-author with Olivia Chung of The Political Thought of Xi Jinping. Steve, thanks for joining us on The Bookmonger. Thank you, John. Great pleasure. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. Your reviews help new listeners discover us, and that helps us keep the show going. We'll be back next week with a new episode of The Bookmonger.